Welcome to the People and Performance Podcast, featuring guest experts from such global brands as NASA, Salesforce, the Milwaukee Bucks, Staples Professional, IBM, Mutual of America, Zero, and Simon Sinek Inc. The show offers expert insights into the strategic capabilities and behaviors needed to grow and sustain employee performance. Welcome to this episode of the People in Performance Podcast. Hey, this is Chris B. Arling, People in Performance Podcast host and president at Fidelo Inc. In this episode of the People in Performance Podcast, we are from Dr. Sue Haywood, president and owner at Human Resources Blueprints Limited and an associate professor of organizational behavior at Queen's University. Sue's career includes service with the Canadian Armed Forces and HR roles within healthcare, government, and Fortune 500 companies. She serves on the HRPA Board of Directors, volunteers with the Great Dane Rescue, and is the proud mom of a preschooler. Well, Bannum and I hope you enjoy the conversation we had with Sue. And if you do, please remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Dr. Sue Hayward, welcome to the People and Performance Podcast today. It's great to see you, Bill, and uh, thank you so much for the invite. I love that, having these discussions with you about these important topics. Yeah. So listeners, uh, Sue and I, we we chatted quite a while back now, I guess, uh, on the HR chat show. And uh, our conversation stuck with me because not only is Sue a super awesome person, but she has lots of clever things to say. So I was very keen to get her onto the People and Performance pod as well. Sue, why don't you start by taking a minute or two and telling our listeners a bit about yourself? Sure. So uh, I am sort of a patchwork of careers at the moment. Um, I do teach organizational behavior at uh, the Smith School of Business at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario. And I also work as a consultant. Basically, what I've done is taken all the amazing things that I've learned from the leaders and, and fabulous people that I've worked with over my career and kind of put them into uh, stack them up in a way that I can provide, share this advice with others and provide the solutions that maybe people aren't thinking about to grow their business, to make their business more successful and to really get more from their employees by treating their employees as humans. So, so you were recently featured on the HR Like a Boss show. In it, you discussed how HR and leaders can help deliver the work environments that employees are looking for. Can you can you expand on it? Can, can you give us your take? Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it sounds really complicated, but it's really a lot more about changing the mindset, predominantly from the employer side to, you know, there was a time when we all thought like, oh, so-and-so is so lucky to be able to work for us. Uh, you know, they'll do whatever they can to keep their job working for us because, you know, everybody wants to work for us because we're such a great company or brand or what have you. But demographically and socially, the world has changed an awful lot. And it really, you know, smart employers now are looking at it far more as a relationship, not a transaction, not adversarial, but really a true partnership of how can we and employees work together to create the best possible outcomes. I mean, companies hire employees because of their knowledge and abilities. And yet so many companies spend their energy assessing and monitoring employees on things that are relevant to the job tasks, such as, you know, what time did they sit down to the desk? Where are they working from? Um, you know, did they do seven and a half or eight hours consecutively? Things that actually don't tie to the performance outcomes that the companies are seeking, where 
Smarter companies have realigned to say, all right, what is it that we want this employee to be doing? What is their expertise? And how can we best structure so that we get what we need as a company and the employee gets what they need as a person to be able and the environment that they need to be able to do the best work possible? Love it. Thank you very much. Um, you also speak quite a lot about the, 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 the benefits uh, and the logistics of uh, remote working. What, what are some of the challenges, however? To developing leaders when so much time today is spent working remotely? Absolutely. So I think the big one is sort of connectedness and wellness. Uh, one of the challenges with remote work is that social aspect, that, you know, feeling connected to the people that you work with and the company that you work for, as well as finding balance. I mean, a lot of people actually do more work when they work remotely than they do in a traditional office environment. So it's it's helping people still have that break between work life, uh, is it if, whether they believe in work-life balance, work-life integration, regardless of the philosophy um, that anyone subscribes to, it's really about they still need time to be them as a person, to be you know them as a friend, them as a partner, them as a parent, them as a whatever role that neighbor, whatever role they play, um, as well as them as an employee. And you know, I think it's really about setting the tone and giving people permission of remote work does not mean working twenty four hours a day. Um, you know, having time to say, I am not going to be available at this time, taking that conscious break from work uh, and the importance that it has to do on productivity and mental health and also focusing on mental health from again that remoteness connectivity um, and making sure that people particularly those who are naturally more introverted don't become sort of you know more not just isolated but almost become hermits where they they don't feel the need to leave their home so making sure they're still getting enough whatever level it is for that individual enough social and community inputs um, and connections that you know that maintains their mental health and overall wellness the people and performance podcast supported by fidelo inc is dedicated to offering tips and expert insights into the strategic capabilities and behaviors needed to establish grow and measure the performance of employees if you enjoy the show why not subscribe and give us five stars through your favorite podcast app okay thank you very much now then a while back as i mentioned in in the, the, the top of the top of the interview here i, I interviewed you on the hr chat pod and in that episode sue we talked about reasons why traditional incentives and rewards are not enough for many employees anymore and what's actually working to attract and retain top talent how can how can top performers be incentivized to move into leadership roles because a lot of a lot of employees don't necessarily want to do that anymore. Uh, and they're, they're quite happy working remotely, being autonomous, focusing on their own thing, maybe having a little bit of gig work on, on the side. So how, how can corporations incentivize and encourage those high performers to move into more senior roles? Yeah, it's a tough one. And I think there was a time when you were sort of a doer or a manager. And that worked for a time period. But what's challenging about that model now is a lot of people do what they love and they sort of avoid this idea of i don't want to be a manager or a leader because i can no longer do what i love this is particularly true of you know scientists of you know people or sometimes in financial roles as well people that are are doing technical work that they love um 
And so I think for organizations, it's really about challenging themselves to think, how can we structure our organization where someone can be a leader in their field, in their expertise, without necessarily going to become an administrative manager? I've worked with a number of um you know, biotech firms. And that's really a lot about the work that we've been doing is restructuring them so that there are leadership roles on the technical side, as well as leadership roles on the administrative management side, and really showing people that there are different career paths that you can grow and become a leader uh, in the organization that doesn't necessarily cause you to, you know, leave a laboratory and go into just an office or cause you to no longer do what you love and strictly manage people. It's really about um, thinking, what is it that you need from leaders in your company? And how can you structure roles so leaders can still do what they love? Because that's actually what makes them better leaders. Excellent. Thank you very much. Uh, next question for you. How important is experiencing failure, Sue, so that in the longer term, one has a, a successful career? I.e., do, do leaders learn more from, from failures than from wins? I'm a firm believer that that is absolutely true. Maybe that's a sign that I fail too much in my life. Um, but I actually think it's important, not just from a stress management uh, capacity of being able to deal with failure, overcome adversity, but I also think it's from, we do learn from failures. Uh, we do learn from bad leaders. We learn from challenging uh, situations. And sometimes the lesson of what you don't wanna do or don't have as an outcome is actually more valuable and stickier than the lessons around what has worked well and what you have enjoyed. You know, I think that that's something that uh, business people and you know HR people struggle with. Is you know when we go through our you know our training, whether it be academic or on the job training, we really learn about you know excellence and perfection and getting it right the first time and all of those models where. I think the people that go through you know, a more scientific regime are actually at an, an advantage, right? It's completely normal within the culture of you know, the sciences to do an experiment that doesn't have the outcome that you thought. I mean, how many great uh, innovations in history have come from essentially failures? Uh, so I think it's really about understanding that every opportunity is a chance to learn and to grow. And in a lot of ways, the outcome is not nearly as important as the journey. So I do think that uh, for leaders to be truly great, uh, they need to experience failure and be able to lead through that, to become resilient to that, um, and to help others to do the same. I would concur. Okay, now the next two questions that we are gonna ask of you are questions that uh, Chris and I ask of all of our guests on this show okay so don't worry if you repeat yourself a little bit from answers that you've previously given uh the first is one i'm going to challenge you to answer in one minute or less sue what bill don't do it to me um so <laughs> here it goes in one minute or less can you share one piece of advice or some direction that you were given by a mentor leader or colleague that inspired you to perform at a higher level in your career it's funny, I was thinking about this and it's it's kind of a strange example, so bear with me. But I remember when I was first uh, in the military uh, and learning you know, early on how to be a junior naval officer, um, I was given the advice of never screw up, pay your leave. And at the time, it seems like a very practical um, thing to remember and it, and it stuck with me. But as I've grown and spent more time thinking about that advice and you know developing my own leadership style, it's really 
I've seen it as oversimplified advice that actually deals with the bigger problem of, you know, anytime that you're asking somebody to do something for you, make sure they're getting from you what it is they need out of the arrangement. And so it's really challenged me as a leader uh, and, and as a professional, whether it's teaching, whether it's consulting, or whether it is actually leading and managing people of, okay, in this relationship, we're always in sort of, there's always a power differential, there's always uh, needs on both sides. How can I best help people get what they need from the relationship, uh, which in actuality also helps me achieve what it is that I'm trying to achieve from it? Okay, I'd say that was about a minute. Good work. Good work, Sue. Uh, next question. Take your time. Don't rush this one. Uh, from a culture and people processes perspective, Sue, what does a high performing company mean to you? Oh, it's funny. There's days when I wonder which term is more overused, high performing or fast paced. Um, I think high performing isn't actually about the outcomes of the company or whether or not the company makes you know the objectives that they set in their strategic plan. It has a lot more to do with, is it an environment where people are supported to come in and do the best work that they can every day? And obviously in good times, that means that they are you know, exceeding objectives. They are you know, performing at an unbelievable level. They are doing above and beyond what everyone expects of them. But it also means when things aren't going well, be it something in their personal life or a medical issue or who knows what's going on, um, that they're still driven to come in and do the best work that they can with whatever capacity they have at that moment. Uh, it's not an environment that encourages people to quit or encourages social loafing. It's really an environment that inspires people to come in and do the best work that they can every day, regardless of what level that that work is. So again, it's not about measuring it in terms of, you know, did you perform at 110% 365 days in a row? It's not possible. It's really about are you driven to come in and do the best work, whether you are having the best day of your life or whether you are going through, you know, an, an emotional upheaval in your personal life, a medical issue, uh, you know, family issue, anything like that. Are you still driven to do the best that you can for the company? And the more a company can have an environment where I don't think you'll ever have 100 percent, but the majority of people are feeling supported to do that that's an organization that is going to be able to achieve more uh, than any competitor that's resourced at the same level because of that environment. Perfect. Well, that just leaves me to say for today, uh, listeners do get in contact with Sue. She's a lovely human being and she's very open and very warm. So I just want to encourage you to do that. Uh, but that just leaves me to say for today, Sue, thank you very much for being my guest. Excellent. Thank you, Bill. As always, it's been a pleasure. And I always love listening to the podcast that you do. So it's a real treat to be one of the people that you interview. Thank you for listening to the People and Performance Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please remember to like, comment and subscribe.